we're going to go ahead and jump in. We are actually going to do something a little bit different. If you know me at all, typically I do not usually do kind of day theme type messages, but I felt like God put this message on my heart for Mother's Day. And so we're going to stop kind of in our um, resharpening series. We're going to finish that up next week, but we're going to kind of have a little bit of a Mother's Day message this morning that I feel like God placed on my heart. And here's the thing, you know, anytime you do a message that, that is more kind of more specifically kind of geared towards a certain uh, group of individuals that are listening, you know, it can be real easy for the guys or whatever to kind of go, okay, this is for, for my wife or my daughter or my, my, my sister or whoever else. But trust me, I, I really believe this is for all of us. It will be a little bit more geared towards the ladies, but I do believe that God's word is true and it's for all of us, no matter who we are. So we're going to kind of jump into the message this morning. I, I don't know if you know this, I have several nieces and th that's great. I love being an uncle. Being an uncle is one of the greatest things. It's like, it's it's like you got to usually be an uncle before you get to be a grandparent, which is another one of the greatest things that you get to do. But I, I used to, I would really like to go visit my nieces in Kansas City, and they were, they're growing up now, which is petrifying, and I'm not happy about it, just like their mothers aren't, and my grandma, you know, they, nobody's happy that the kids grow up. But I remember when they were kids, we would go visit them for Christmas. And one year for Christmas, uh, Abigail and, and Gracie, like, I have another niece, but they were around at the time. They got these like little plastic jewels, you know, for Christmas. You know, so they got the tiara and they got the plastic earrings with the pretty, you know, shiny, shiny things. And so they were so excited. They ran downstairs because they had this little play area at my parents' house. And they, I mean, they went at it. They put the tiara on. They found dresses I don't know where those would come from and they put those on and they put on all the stuff and they were just and they were so excited and I kind of walked down the stairs and there they were decked out ready for the ball if that makes sense and they were just staring at me and they just smiled this this smile and you know what they were thinking I was smart enough at that time to understand my five-year-old nieces and I understood where they were at and what they wanted and so I looked at them because I knew the question in their mind. And I said, oh, Gracie, oh, Abigail, don't you look beautiful? And I mean, you would have thought I just said, here's a million dollars, here's a pony, here. I mean, they just lit up. And they just, you know, just, you know, and they were waiting for Prince Charming to come down the stairs or something, you know, and unfortunately it was their, their weird looking uncle that came down. But you know what? That's what they wanted to know. The title of our message this morning is quite simple. It's a question. Am I beautiful? Am I beautiful? Because I believe this is a very important question. And listen, I know it's like, yeah, again, this more of a lady type, listen, this is a greater concept and a greater truth than just that that we're going to dive into this morning. But we do have that question a lot of times. Am I beautiful? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, we thank you right now for all our moms, for all our grandmas, for all the people, sisters, aunts, every female in our life, God, that you have placed there. And you've placed them there to, to encourage and to be there and to, 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 to share life with. God, we just pray a blessing over them. God, we pray that you would continue to help them. God, I also right now want to take a moment, Father, and pray for those that maybe are here or online that maybe lost their mom this year. Maybe this is their first Mother's Day without that mom or without that person that was very 
motherly and very healthy, maybe a grandparent or a grandma. Or, and so, Father, I pray for peace for them today. God, that you would just be there and you'd hold them close. God, we just pray that you would speak the words that you desire in this message, that you would open our ears. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Anytime you talk about beauty, you kind of have to look at a couple things, unfortunately, because really what we have a situation of this in our world today is this concept that basically beauty is so skin apparent. You look at beauty. What is beauty? What is that situation? It really is what you see. And that's a problem because that is not what God has said. It's not a biblical concept that God has communicated. And so we have to first start at the wrong ideas. We have to look at what our world is saying. So the shallow view that beauty of beauty that our culture holds is something that we need to talk about. And it's interesting because it really begins all the way back at the very beginning. It's an interesting thing because even at the beginning, we see this twisted view that really affects a lot of people and a lot of things, and it's still actually affecting things today. We could talk about, oh, this concept of beauty or that, but let's go to the Word and let's see what it does and how the shallow view can really affect people. Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6, it really starts, and this is what it says, is the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. Let's continue with verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now look at verse number 6. Okay, now if you don't know, I think most of us do, this is, this is the fall. This is where, where man and woman fall before God. God said, don't eat of this tree. You can eat anything else, but not this one. And the enemy comes and he's tempting them. And he's trying to get them to do what God has commanded them not to do. And look here, it's important you catch this. In verse 6, the woman was convinced... Now, why was she convinced? Partly, she's convinced because of what the enemy is saying. But there's something deeper here we need to see. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with him and he ate it too. Isn't it interesting here that at this point where, where literally everything changes, what does Eve do? Eve sees beauty. Eve sees something that looks beautiful on the outside, but on the inside it's going to bring death. It's also interesting that she doesn't just go, oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that nice? She wants it because she's going to get something out of it. She is going to gain something. A lot of us want to use these things. We want to use our beauty or these things to gain things, whether it be followers or likes or, or, or look at me, look at me, and all the pride that comes with it. And so she looks at this and it just looks so good. But really, it's death. And it brings death to all of us. 
You see, the shallow view of our culture says you just go by what you see. The inside doesn't matter. What do you look like? How do you, what, 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 what kind of image do you portray to people? That's what matters. The problem is, is that is not God's view of beauty. That is not God's definition of beauty. Because here's the thing, when we look at the world's view, when we follow the culture's understanding, hear me here, a lot of times it will lead to death. And you go, but you know, it looks so good. That fruit looked so delicious. But in the long term, it caused massive problems and massive situations that obviously we're still dealing with today. So then, simple. What's the deeper view of beauty that God holds? What's the deeper view that God holds? Because we, we, we we, listen, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the world. We know what the world experiences. We know what they're sharing. We know you can't, you can't go to Walmart and walk by the magazine section without knowing what the world is peddling. Okay? It's all visual. So let's see what Jesus has to say about it. In Matthew 23, he's speaking to some Pharisees here. He's speaking to some people that, listen, and this is important you catch this. This is the religious leaders of the day. These are people that should know better and should understand some things. Okay? But the problem is, is they don't. And Jesus is speaking to them, and he's very stern here. He wants them to understand that these things have got to change. But listen to what he says in Matthew 23, starting with verse 25. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. You are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, for you are like whitewashed tombs. Again, that word, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like religious people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Listen, we need to understand this. We as Christians can do this too. We sure love to make sure the outside looks good. Maybe you grew up in church. I know I did. I, I learned when to sit down, when to stand up, what to say, the right things to say, what not to say. And you know what? I can scrub that outside as your pastor, and oh boy, yeah, everything's fine, hallelujah, I'm great, you're great, everybody's great. And inside, there can be some pretty nasty stuff in my heart. You see, what Jesus is upset about in this moment is the fact that these guys have twisted and destroyed what God's view of beautiful is and what God's idea of beauty is. It's not necessarily what's on the outside. Now listen, God here is not saying don't shower. God's not saying you shouldn't. You know, it's okay to get your nails done or your hair done or, 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 or guys get a haircut once in a while. That's not what God's saying here. 
What God is wanting us to understand is the beauty that he is looking for. Hear me. The beauty that people need you to share with them is not something on the outside. It's something on the inside. This is in your notes. To God, beauty is not what you put on. It's what you put in that matters. It's what you put in that truly matters. And it's so important that we spend that time. Listen, it's so easy to, 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 to spend the time worrying about the outside, what people will think, what people will say, and we neglect the things that really matter that we need to be filling our lives with. It's interesting to me that Jesus talks here about what you're filling, what your outside looks like versus what your inside looks like. And the bottom line is, is God cares much more for what's in here than what's out here or what's out here. We need to make sure that we understand that, that we get that. And so guys, listen, I know, okay, beauty, okay, well, uh, let, let's, let's move into a letter slightly understandable thing because here's what I believe. If you look at this, and, and listen, I'm simple, I'm easy, so I'm going to give you an easy definition. What, what's, what's, what is beautiful? What is the definition of beautiful? Well, to me, it's real simple. Full of beauty. Now, I know you, then you have to define beauty or define, I, I get all that, but really, what's beautiful? Beautiful is full of beauty. So, so then the question becomes real simple in my mind. Real simple. What do we need to be filled with? If God wants us to be filled with things to show that beauty off that he believes is right, what things need to be present in our lives to show that? So this is the last thing we're going to be talking about, this idea of what virtues that God says we need to be full of to have that beauty. What, do we, what, what, what things do we need to put in? Because obviously it's, it's, it's easy. You know, the, the Pharisees, you know, they put in this greed and self-indulgence. They, they put in all these fake kind of masks and all these things. But the question then becomes, what do we need to do? What do we need to fill with to really change that? So we're going to look at an interesting passive scripture. It's, it's Mother's Day. We're going to do it. We're going to go to Proverbs 31. We're not going to read all of Proverbs 31. There's just a couple verses that I want us to look at as we understand this. But basically, this is a section that a lot of people call the virtues of, of a noble wife or characteristics of a, of a, of a, of a noble wife. And, and typically, obviously, this is talking about a woman. But these are virtues that really are good for all of us to understand. So we're just going to look at a few verses here in Proverbs 31. First, we're going to start with verse number 10 and 11. This is what it says. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. Let's jump to 25 through 26. She is clothed with strength and dignity. I love this verse. And she laughs without fear of the future. She laughs. The unknown doesn't matter. She laughs at it because she knows that God is in control. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. And then let's finish it off 28 through 30. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable woman, women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive. And beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly 
praised. A woman that fears the Lord. That's that word fear, we've talked about it before. It's not, it's not cowering, but it's this idea of reverence and awe. This idea that, that just God, oh God, you're just so good. You're just so amazing. And it's standing in that place of reverence. But this, these verses kind of, and, and some others that we're going to look at, really kind of give us some clues of what we all need to be filled with. Number one, we need to be filled with faith. Filled with faith. Hebrews eleven six. This is important that you catch this. And it is impossible. Not, not possible, but impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. We've got to come to him with that understanding. We have to come to him with that faith, knowing that he's in control, knowing that he can help us. And, and here's the thing. Listen, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm like this. My faith sometimes can be really shallow because I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know how it's going to end up. I don't just like that concept of, okay, God, you're in control, but I want to know how God is going to do it. But the problem is, is that's not really faith. Faith is this concept where it doesn't matter how, all that matters is who. All that matters is, I don't know how God's going to work this out, but I know God can do it. I know that it's not important how it happens. I know what's important is that he is going to do it, and he's going to do something great. The problem, though, sometimes with faith, and we don't like this, is a lot of times God uses hard moments and hard situations to grow our faith. I don't know how many times there have been times in my life where, where something will happen. And you know what I tend to do in hard moments like we all do? I tend to pr try to pray it away. God, can you just take this hard thing away? God, can you make it just disappear? And sometimes I wonder if I'm not praying or trying to pray away what God has brought in my life to strengthen my faith. Sometimes God isn't going to, hear me here, in his love for you, He's not going to just take away those things that are hard because he's brought those things to grow your faith in him. It's so neat when I've talked to people and they, they'll say something to the effect of, you know, this situation's hard and, and I'm sitting there with them and I'm going, okay, here we go. It's going to be this moment where they're going to be like, God's left me and I don't understand and blah, 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 blah. And it's so awesome when they'll say, you know, and if it would have happened a year ago, I would have maybe responded in a bad way. But I know because of what I've experienced in the past, I know that God is with me and God's going to help me. Man, that is great. Where did that come from? Easy. It came from other experiences that they've had. Look at James 1. In James 1, 2 through 4, it says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God wants your faith to grow. God wants you to be full of that faith. Listen, faith to God is beautiful. It's beautiful. Second thing, second thing God wants us to be full of. He wants us to be full of understanding. Full of understanding. 
Okay, look at James 3 with me. And we're going to look at this. This is an interesting passage of Scripture that when you really begin to break it down, there's a lot of interesting things here, a lot of truth that we want to look at. James 3.17, this is what it says. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. What is James wanting us to understand here? I use the word wisdom, another or, or understanding. Another word is wisdom, but he's talking about wisdom and understanding here in a slightly different way than we're used to. He's sitting here going, listen, if this is full in your life, if you have that wisdom from heaven, if you have that understanding from heaven, you are going to act differently. And here's the thing. All the things that he lists are things that we do and treat people, how we treat people. Listen, some of the most understanding people understand the situation, understand what they're dealing with and the person that they're dealing with. God gives them that understanding. And when they have it they better treat those around them. Let me give you a perfect example. We just talked about it. Well, maybe we shouldn't use that. Let's use a different one. Let me come up with a different one off the top of my head. Uh, got it. Let's say you have someone who just lost their job. Okay? Just lost their job. They maybe working at a place for a really long time and put a lot of hard work and all these things. And for some reason, nothing they did, but, but they were just cutting whatever happened. They lost their job. How wise would it be of you to go to them the Sunday after this happened, you knowing that it happened, and go, hey, let's talk about the raise I just got. Not really smart. Not really understanding. But here's the thing, if you know what they're going through, if you have that wisdom, maybe you've experienced it before, you know how better to treat them, how to love them, how to be there for them. So it's not just this wisdom that God wants to give you and me so we can sit here and make people think we're smart or wise, but it also comes out in the way we treat one another. That's beautiful to God. Let me tell you a story kind of makes me look bad and makes my son look really, really good. He's been playing soccer now for about three years or so. And, and he's been playing on the same team, and, and he has a good time, and he runs around and has a good old time. And, I rem and listen, I, I've gotten a little bit better on this, but I was very, very competitive as a kid. <laughs> like, when I played sports, it, it, it was life or death at that moment. You know, I was real competitive, really serious about it, and really was all these, well, well Easton's just not. <laughs> to be flat honest with you. And so we're peak playing soccer and all this is, and I remember this happening two years ago or so. And, and so I'm watching him and I'm trying really hard to just be positive and, and, and you know, clap and all these sort of things. And he's going at it and, and he's playing. And, and so the ball kind of goes out in front of somebody. I think of the other team or something like that. And this is when they didn't have goalies yet. It was, he was a couple years ago. And so here's the ball right there in front, basically, like 10 feet from the goal. Easton is all by himself, basically. And I'm going, oh, my son's going to score a goal. This is going to be great. I'm going to be like, yeah, that's my, that's my boy. You know, all those sort of things. And guess what? As this is getting ready to happen, one member from the other team fell. And I'm like, oh, this is God. This is God sent an angel to trip the little boy so my son could score a goal. This is going to be awesome. And guess what my son did? 
he stopped. And that little guy turned around. Are you okay? And helped him up. I'm sitting there going, yes, dad! Go, go, he's fine. Nope, he stopped. And guess what? He didn't score a goal. Not on earth. Made his dad feel real silly. Taught his dad a thing or two about wisdom. Sometimes we so desire to score a goal, it doesn't matter who God places in our path to help. Can, 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 we, can we stop for a second? And understand that true wisdom and true understanding is knowing how to love those that God has placed in our path. And listen, it's not easy. We're driven. We're, we're adults for crying out loud. We got goals and we're going to achieve them. But can I, can I help us with something? Let's not do it at the expense of people that God has placed in our lives to love and take care of. He taught me something that day. Something that I will never forget. Number three, we need to be full of trust. Full of trust. Let's look at Isaiah. We're going to look at a couple verses in Isaiah. First, Isaiah 12, too. It says, see, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Let's look at Isaiah 26 now again. You will keep in perfect peace all those who trust you. All those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. All these things are trying to help us to understand that we can trust God. He is faithful and true. He is steady. No matter what we go through, no matter what you're going through, we can hold on to that. Look at Proverbs 31 again. We read it before. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. Listen, hear me here. In your relationship with others and your relationship with God, trust always enriches it. And listen, lack of trust will destroy it. One enriches, one tears down. And we have to understand that. We have to know that, that it can take a lifetime to develop trust, but literally a second to destroy it. And so we need to be building that trust up. Obviously, yes, with each other. Obviously, with, with our spouse or our family and our friends, but also with God. Because He's the rock. He is who we can trust. He is who we can run to. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're experiencing, you can run to him and know that he's got you. You don't have to give up. He's there. And listen, that trust is beautiful to him. And the last thing, full of love. Full of love. In a few weeks, I'm going to be traveling to Albuquerque to perform a wedding and I'm sure I'll read 1 Corinthians 13. It's a beautiful verse. We're going to look at it together really quickly because this is the love chapter. We see so many things here, but in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envy. It is not boast. It is not proud. It is, does, does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I love this verse. 
And I want you to catch something in it. You see, because once again, we have this view that, that culture can just destroy when it comes to this concept of love. Listen to what it says. This is what Paul writes here. He writes, love is patient. Love is kind. But in our world today, we typically have a different type of feeling. We say, you know what? Love feels patient. Love feels kind. So what that means is this. When I feel patient, I will be patient. When I feel kind, my love will be kind. But if I don't feel it, I'm not going to do it. That's a very unbiblical concept and understanding of love. You see, love is these things, period. When we love, it will be these things. It will be patient. It will be kind. So let me help you understand something. What Paul is basically saying here is that when you share something that isn't kind, that isn't patient, that isn't uh, focused on others, it really isn't love. You see, here's what we have to understand. And I may step on some toes here a little bit, but you need to understand what the Bible says. You do not get to define love. You did not create love. In fact, Scripture specifically tells us that God is love. God defines love. Not you and not me. And we can get into a lot of trouble when we try to define what love really is. Because here's what happens, unfortunately. Tammy's view of love is different than my view of love. And Anna's view of love is different than my view of love. And now we have an issue. Because now something that the Word tells us will last forever is now dependent on the person and the circumstances and the lenses that they're seeing it through. That doesn't work, folks. That, that causes a lot of problems. We need to go to God's word and God's standard to know really what love is. And listen, you go, well, I, 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 I'm not really doing that. Well, join the club. I'm not either. My love isn't very pure sometimes. My love is pretty self-serving sometimes. But that doesn't change what the standard is. We need to look at the standard and go, okay, God, how can I be more patient in my love for my wife? How can I be more kind in my love for my son? How can I be more in this to, to others that I come in contact with? But listen, love is not a feeling. As much as it is understanding what God has said and then responding to it and making the decision to love. And it's so important, not only in our relationships with people we know, but even more. Look at John 13. A lot of you know this verse. John 13, 35, Jesus is speaking. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not your worship, not how much time you spend in Bible reading, not, not if you've memorized the, five, the first five books of the Bible. Your love for each other will prove it. How? How if there's a standard of love that's all over the place? 
It'll only prove it if there's the standard. The standard's God's word. That's how you know. That's how they'll see it. Because what the world will see is they see their own view of love. They'll see that feeling type of love that's based on circumstances or what they can get out of it. And when we love the way God tells us to love and commands us to love, they go, my goodness, there's something different here. And it draws them to God, which is so important. To finish this out, I want to turn it back to somebody very important. In Isaiah, many, many years, thousands of years before Jesus comes, Isaiah prophesies about him. And it really ties in very well with this idea of, of, of what we need to be filled of because Jesus was full of all these things we've talked about. But because of a few things, because the culture even then didn't quite understand what beauty really is, they missed it. Let's put that verse up from Isaiah. Isaiah 53, this is what it says. This is Isaiah prophesying about our Jesus. He says, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. Isn't that interesting? He, 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 basically, he basically said, yeah, Jesus wasn't something on the outside that was all that special. He, he, didn't, he, he, he didn't look uh, in a lot of ways what they thought he'd look like. He just was kind of plain. He was just kind of there. There was nothing on the outside to draw people to him. But let's continue. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised. And listen, and we did not care. Yet, it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet, the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. And let's finish it off, the last verse. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their Listen, when we talk about beauty, when we talk about people that were full of all the things, there is no better example than Jesus. But you know what's interesting? There were a lot of people in that time and even today that just saw this outward man. It's so interesting. When he went back to Nazareth where he grew up, you know what they said? Isn't this just the carpenter's son? What were they saying? Simple. They were just seeing what was on the outside. 
And there was so much more. And because they focused on the outside, they missed this amazing miracle of grace and mercy and love that Jesus came to give all of us. You see, this is why it's so dangerous at times to focus as the world focuses because we can miss some of the beauty that God has in you and others just like they missed it when they saw Jesus. Thank you, God. We're going to do things a little bit different to kind of close. I'm just going to ask if just John would come up. We're not going to have a closing song. We're just going to have him play. I just want to speak to you all real, real quickly here. Because as God's kind of placed this message on my heart, I really feel like God was speaking to me and he was kind of, you know, I, I kind of was like, God, I, I, I don't usually do this. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't do kind of messages based on the day very often. Um, God, why? I don't understand. And I felt like God spoke to my heart and I felt like God said to me, there are going to be people here on Sunday who feel very, very not beautiful. And I, I first kind of went, like maybe you would, I, I kind of went to that, oh, you know, people with self-image problems or, or this or that. And, and, and God kind of said, well, yeah, yeah, but, but, but even deeper than that, that there were people that were going to be here this morning who felt like they were spiritually ugly. That maybe a pastor or a friend or a parent Somebody online or TV has said something to you that has made you, as you see yourself, both, both physically and spiritually, you just feel ugly. And I'm here to tell you something. I'm here that God changed my whole plans. God made me quit what I had figured out because He loved you enough to want to make sure that you heard these words. You're beautiful to your father. And I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about your earthly father. I'm talking about your heavenly father. You say, but Aaron, my, my life isn't full of those things. It's all right. My life's not always full with all those things either. But God still looks at you and says, you're mine. I want you. You belong to me. Come home. To me I'll make you beautiful so many of us think well if I just get it all fixed up and all prettied up then I'll go to God listen doesn't work that way folks God takes us in all our our maybe this is a better way to put it right now in all our ugliness and God makes us beautiful but here's the thing even though you don't feel beautiful God knows, hear me, this is important. God knows what you can be with his help. You see, he doesn't see necessarily the beauty right now, but he sees what his work and power and life change can do in your life and in your heart to bring forth that beauty. That's what he wants. So you go, Aaron, I'm not beautiful. It's okay. It's okay. 
But you've got to understand the person that can make you that way is the man that Isaiah prophesied about thousands of years ago. He's the man that can come and take all that sin and all that hurt and all that junk and crush it and destroy it so that you can be made righteous. Well, you, know, you know, the word righteous means a lot of things, but today, you know what I feel like God said to me? That word righteous means you've been made beautiful to walk into the presence of God. You've been made holy and pure to walk into the presence of God. And when God sees you through what Jesus has done for you, he looks and he goes, that's my pretty boy. That's my pretty girl. That's my beautiful son. That's my beautiful daughter. You go, but Aaron, I don't feel it. It's all right. You can't make it happen. Only God can come and do in you what he wants to do. So can we do something as we close? Let's, let's, let's close our eyes just so no one's looking around. Everybody's focused right now. And I want to speak very specifically to those, that, that one person, if it's one, it's enough, or a multitude of people where you just felt like, you know what, you saw the message title and you went, oh my goodness, <laughs> And throughout this whole thing, the Spirit of God has just been saying, you're mine. I love you. I've got you. Will you just come to me? I'll take all those ugly places in your life and I'll make them beautiful. You see, God takes the broken things and the broken places and he fixes them. You can't fix them on your own. You're not supposed to. Bring your brokenness, bring your sin, bring your, your, all the stuff and let God do what only God can do. But he won't force you to do it. It's your call, it's your choice. And so this morning as we pray and as we close, if that's you and you just need to come to God, and you just need to allow him to do that, will you just do me a favor? Will you pray with me a prayer that sounds a little bit kind of like this? Will you just pray, your, just, just pray with me? Father, God, I, I, I need you. God, I'm like everybody here. I got some areas in my life that are, that are not real pretty. I filled my life with other things. I filled my life with other people's view of me or, 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 or the culture's understanding of what beautiful is. And, and God, what I'm learning this morning is that your view is different than the world's. My view is, is a lot of times different than yours as well. And God, when I'm filled with, with, with faith, and, and there's so many other things, we just talked about four, but, but when I'm filled with those things, I become beautiful. And basically, to really make it even more simple, when I'm filled with Jesus, I can be all those things that you've called me to do. But I've got to be filled first with Jesus. So Jesus, will you fill me right now? Jesus, will you fill my heart right now? Will you remove all those things that are not what they should be out of there? And will you come on and just move on in? And let the faith and the love and the trust and the wisdom and the understanding and the peace and the joy and the kindness and the patience and all these things, will you just let them flood in? Can I just be filled with all of those things, Jesus? Because you promised in your word that if we invited you in, you would come in and you would stay 
with us. Father, you're so good. And so God, I know for those that are praying that type of prayer right now, you're making them new, you're changing things around. And yeah, I know sometimes it's a journey, but this is the first step. And so Father, I thank you for each heart and each life. You're so good. And I love you so much. Thank you for this day and this time. You're so good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, I love you all so much. Again, happy Mom's Day. Happy Ladies Day to all of you. Listen, as you leave this morning, for all the ladies, we got a little something, something for you to take home. Um, we got some really adorable helpers out there to hand those out to you. So make sure you get one before you go. And listen, you don't, don't say, don't say, well, I, I'm not a mom, okay? We don't, we don't celebrate just moms here. It's everybody. So if you're a lady, please get yourself a little flower on the way out. It's just one little way that we can kind of just express we love you. And we, we're so thankful for you. So God, go with us as we go. Bless our moms. Bless all the ladies in our lives, grandmas, aunts, Great, just every person, every lady that you've placed in our heart, in our life, Father, thank you for them. Bless them today. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for being here. Have a wonderful week. Love you all. We'll talk to you soon.